We are in week three of Man Overboard series as we're looking through the Bible for some accounts of people uh, in boats and uh, looking to glean and learn from them in life application so that we can apply things to our life from the Bible and walk according to how God wants us to walk. We have talked about in week one uh, the Apostle Peter at the journey of where that he had left Jesus when Jesus was hanging on the cross and took off and ran away and was fishing and Jesus ended up appearing to him by the seashore up in Galilee where he's from and uh, we heard the story about Peter jumping out of the boat and everybody say man overboard then last week we heard about uh, the apostle Paul and him being on a journey of of his life uh, where he appealed to Caesar, heading towards Rome. Uh, and the ship capsized and broke apart, and he floated uh, towards the shore, swam to the shore, got snake bit, and had a lot of lessons in that. And he was a man overboard. Everybody say man overboard. And this week, we are right back in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the Gospel according to Luke. And I want us to turn to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read our text from Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and working our way down through a few verses, uh, speaking about an account of a boat. So it was, as the multitude pressed him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Generoset and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and was washing their nets. Then he got into the one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out to the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled for their partners of the, in the other boat to come and help them. Then they came and filled the, both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9, But he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so they were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would allow us to glean from this passage of Scripture in Luke. God, that it would apply to our life, that you would make us and cause us to be more like you that our actions would align with your word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this story about Jesus in the region there speaking to people and that there was a multitude present, that he had... Uh, gathered the crowd that they had come to listen to what Jesus had to say. And in that custom of that day and that 
history of there by the lake, people chose to listen to the Son of God speak. They chose to come and hear Jesus' words. Peter, the disciple mentioned here, named Simon at this point in time before Jesus renamed him Peter, he would later say that Jesus was the one that had the bread of life. Peter would say, to whom else shall we go? For you have the eternal bread of life. And today in this place, we come and gather ourselves together in church today to listen to God's word because it's bread of life to our spiritual man. That we are hungry for the things of God. And as I say that, God is calling us as Bethesda to go out into the deep that he's calling us to go into deeper waters just as he did in this story. And in Man Overboard, it's a, a sermon series rallied around the concept that we are to chase after God, that we are to be hungry for God. But in this story, we see a, a lot of different things happening, and I want to pull out just three uh, different topics, but there's some other things we'll add in it as well. And the first thing is, is I want to see about this story in, in a general concept of the whole passage is that as Jesus is speaking, as he's, as he's teaching, people are listening, multitudes are listening, but it also says that there's disciples, his disciples, Simon and James and John the fishermen have been fishing all night, and they were over to the side washing their nets. So this is something we can look at to say, is that me? When Jesus is teaching or when the sermon's being given or when things are going on at the church, am I present? Am I listening? Am I asking God to give me insight or am I over to the side just washing the nets? So in washing the nets, it's, I believe it's symbolic of us doing our day-to-day -day activities and doing what we always do and not changing and our actions not lining with the Word of God, that we are just constantly in our way of life doing what we do rather than listening to Jesus. So Jesus is teaching. The question is, are we listening? Are we paying attention? Are we asking him to guide us and lead us in our life? Or are we just doing what we always know to do? Washing nets. So it may be your job, it may be this, it may be that. And there's a lot of things that hold people back from doing kingdom work. But the whole story is that disciples were called by God to grow in their faith. And in this place today, I believe that God has called people in this room here at Bethesda to be disciples, that we're to grow in our faith, that we shouldn't just stay stagnant our whole life and continue to do the same old things we've always done, but we should be growing in our faith. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, are you growing? Or are you washing your nets? That's the Lewis County verbiage for washing. We call it washing. I love the little memes going around right now. Say it again, right? There's a lot of those out there that causes me to laugh on a daily basis. I love the one Mackenzie shared yesterday about Lathan, uh, where he works. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah marathon up there. It's they're all good. I'm from Lewis County. That was a good one too. There's a lot of those that's good. But Jesus is teaching, are we listening? 
And as I looked through this sermon, I, I had to try to figure out what's the three points that I want to go through. So I have to determine today that we have to be listening. We have to be paying attention. We have to be aware of what's going on around us here at the service today. To get these three points, we've got to put it in perspective. Am I going to be washing my nets or am I going to be listening uh, to Jesus talk on the seashore? But the, the amazing part of this is that such a great multitude had come to Jesus that they wanted to get close to him. And that's my question today. Do you want to be close to Jesus? Because this multitude, they thronged him, it says in the King James. So they, they pushed, pushed in close and they tried to get to him, up close to him. And as they got so close, they backed him all the way up to the water. So Jesus is here by the seaside and he's preaching, he's teaching. And, and next thing you know, all the people started wanting to get so close to him. It's kind of different than a church service, right? Everybody wants to sit in the back. Right? They, they want to get close to Jesus, so they're all up front, and they're pushing on him. They got him up next to the water, and as he's there, he, he looks around, and he thinks, man, they're going, they're going to shove me in the water. And he looks over, and he sees these guys over here washing their nets, and they got some boats. So he said, hey, Simon, come over here. Bring your boat. Put me in your boat. I want you just to go out there a little ways so that I'm out in this, in this water. And one concept, I read a, a thing once on that, that, uh, that on water, you can hear somebody speak. You ever go fishing at a pay lake or something, and somebody can just whisper across the pay lake in the calm of the night, and it, it'll, it'll reverberate the voice across the water. You can hear people from ever away. And some people say Jesus did this because as he got out in the water that day that it caused him to be amplified in his voice. He didn't have a microphone like what we got here. He was speaking to a multitude that he got out there so his voice could amplify so everybody could hear. We don't know all Jesus' thoughts, but he's smarter than us. Amen? He knows more than we know. So as he does this, he asks Simon to get him in the boat, and Simon obliges. He, he gets his boat over there, he, he loads Jesus up, and he goes out a little ways into the water. And as he does this, he's there, and, and Jesus is teaching, and Jesus is preaching. I just wonder what Simon Peter's doing. He, he's probably still washing his it's his nets, right? He's probably still worried about, well, I didn't catch nothing last night. And he, he may be pondering all these things in his brain the way maybe we are here today. Amen. We might be worried about, well, where am I going to go eat Thanksgiving dinner? And Aunt Teresa's here a little bit. And Leslie, this morning at uh, Vanceburg campus, had already made up her mind. She told somebody that she determined that she's not going to wait till after the dinner to make her to-go plate. She's going to make it as soon as she goes in. She says, because if I wait till after... I'm not hungry anymore, and I don't make as big a plate. So she's going to gather up all this stuff and make her plate before uh, she eats today at, at 4 o'clock, I believe it is, at Aunt Teresa's. She loves her chicken dumplings. But we might be contemplating these other things that's going on in our life versus listening to what is Jesus saying. Amen? It's easy to be distracted in the world we're living in. Now, I don't know about you, but they say the attention span now is down to 8 seconds. Even for adults, the average attention span is eight seconds today. Just one or two generations ago, they usually said you had the attention span of somebody according to their age. All right? So if you had a 40-year-old, that means you can hold their attention about 40 minutes. Or if you have a three-year-old, you can hold their attention for about three minutes. Does anybody realize this? Have you recognized this happening in, in your world that you're living in? That as you try to talk to somebody or teach somebody, maybe it's your kid, 
that they don't pay attention very long? Kelby, how old are you? 14? You should pay attention for at least 14 minutes to everything mom says. Not eight seconds, amen? All the parents should be amen in that, the teenagers sitting around you. Pay attention for your age. Not eight seconds. I need some more time to pour in your life. And Jesus is telling us today, listen to me. Learn of me. He, he constantly says it throughout Scripture that he, he's teaching his disciples, but a lot of times they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't act on what he said. A lot like us today. So as this is happening, Jesus is teaching. When he gets done, Jesus gets done teaching. He's like, okay, I'm over that part now. And he looks over at Simon. And he says, all right, Simon, go out in the deep water. Go out in the deep. And this sermon series is really based around the concept that Jesus wants us to have a deeper relationship with him. That he's calling deep calls out the deep, the scriptures teach us. So as deep calls out the deep, that's what is happening in our hearts today as Bethesdaites. That God is calling and challenging Bethesda to grow deeper in your spiritual walk with him. To be a stronger disciple than you've ever been before in your life. Does anybody want to get closer to Jesus? We should, amen? We should desire God because in that desire, it allows us to grow closer to him. He did tell his disciples once, you know, that you're, you're to learn while he's yet there, while he's still in the midst, teaching, because he wouldn't always be with them. We're to glean when Jesus is talking. But as they're out there, and, and I can just imagine Jesus in this little rickety boat of, of Peter. It's his business boat. Maybe it's his wrecker or his rowback. I don't know if you want to put it in those terms. And, and Jesus just standing there on it. And Jesus is like, well, go ahead and go out in the deep. Peter's like, what's wrong with you, man? I just washed my nets. I've been out all night and didn't catch nothing. Why are you telling me to go back out fishing? I'm a night fisherman anyway. That's what it says. He'd fished all night, right? Didn't catch nothing. How many of us have been doing things that we thought we were supposed to be doing when really it was the wrong time? And here Jesus comes on the scene and he implores them. He urges Peter, go out and fish at the daytime. Well, that don't make any sense, God. Everybody around here in this, well, I've been a fisherman all my life. My dad's been a fisherman because most people grew up in the, in the uh, lineage of their father and done whatever their parents did for occupation. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Usually whatever your parent did, that's what you did. So I'm sure that Simon Peter's sitting there thinking, why is a carpenter telling me when to fish? It's easy for us to get mixed up in our signals because we think we know more than Jesus because we've got some experience. But eventually Peter finally gives in. But he argues with Jesus. He's like, I've already been washing my nets and I've been out there all night. And, and don't you know? I'm the fisherman. Why are you telling me? How many of us in this room is the same way? As God is trying to teach us, or as Jesus is trying to call us to do something, and he's telling us to go into the deep, we're thinking, well, Jesus, that don't make any sense. Why, why is pastor talking about being a better or a stronger disciple with Jesus? I, I think I'm doing pretty good. You didn't catch anything last night. Amen. Is there anybody in this room that feels like that? That Jesus has been calling me, but I've not been answering. I've been arguing. Yeah. Amen? I don't, I don't just automatically say yes. I've got 15,000 reasons why I don't need to do what he tells me to do. 
I've already cleaned my nets. And here's the deal. This is point number one. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, even when it doesn't make any sense, even when your mind gives you 15 reasons why you shouldn't, do it anyway. Do you hear me? Do it anyway. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, just do it anyway. If Jesus tells you to go into the deep and fish in the daytime when you're a nighttime fisherman, it don't make any sense. You've already cleaned your nets. I've got all these reasons of why not. But if Jesus tells you to, just do it anyway. And there's some people in this room that as God begins to instruct you or lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, as he calls you to do things, don't argue with him. Don't come back and be like your kids are with you. Don't you love it, Rachel, wherever you tell Braden to go do something and he, he's got 15 reasons why he shouldn't? It's not fun, is it? We, we look at our kids and we think, well, why do they act like that? Because they act less like us the way we're acting to our father. Amen. Amen? So God's calling us today and telling us, just do it anyway. Because that's what you tell your kids, right? Wherever you tell Olivia to go clean her room, she says, well, Mommy, it ain't really that dirty and I've done it yesterday and I, 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 all this cadence and all that, you know, Right? You just say, do it anyway. And that's what God is telling us to do in this place today. Whenever he asks you and implores you and guides you to go do something for his kingdom, just do it anyway. Yeah. Don't argue with him and say, well, I've got this bullet points of why that won't work. And I've tried that before and it didn't work last time. And I've tried the day fishing. And Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Just go build a barn somewhere. You're a carpenter. He's saying, No. You don't understand that in the beginning my father spoke and this world came into existence. In the beginning I watched my father speak and the land and the sea came into existence. You don't know that my heavenly father and I witnessed it wherever he spoke and there was fish in the sea and birds in the air and animals on the ground. And you're going to tell me I don't know how to fish? You don't know my daddy very well. In this place today, Jesus has the wisdom that all of us need. And when he asks you to do something, don't argue back. Don't tell him why not. Just do it anyway. Everybody say it. Do it anyway. Well, it don't make any sense. Do it anyway. Well, I've already put all the effort into washing my dishes today, God. I don't want to have another dinner. Do it anyway. Amen? God is telling us in this place, and he's calling us to do that. Because why? In, first, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says to walk by faith and not by sight. Whenever I say do it anyway, what I'm saying is you've got to walk by faith in that moment. You've got to have faith to do things that don't even make any sense. Can you imagine walking by faith and not by sight? It's, it just astounds me. Uh, as I took a job down in Harlan that time, and, and they took me in my secretary, and she was, she was blind. They had put balm on her eyes at birth, and, and, and she was sick when she was little, and, and it, it burned her eyeballs out, and she, she was blind all of her life. Worked 38 years as a secretary. Could type, fax, email, do anything. 
because she overcame the obstacles that was put before her. And she walked by faith and not by sight. I watched it on a daily basis as she would get up out of her chair and there was a pathway right down the hallway and you had to take a left down that next hallway and you had to go over and you had to push a button to get on the elevator to go up to the third floor to eat your lunch. Me, I could just look and I know exactly where I'm going and there might be a pallet load of paint down through the middle of the hallway that somebody sat there that they didn't know, right? They just put it in the hallway because that's where you set the stuff. Dorothy would be walking down through there with her pole. She walked by faith and not by sight. She couldn't see anything. She had faith. If I make it this many steps down this hallway and turn left and go 15 paces and turn left again and push a button, I'm always standing there at that button. It just dumbfounded me how often did I watch her just go that path. And if something was there, she could hear it. She'd hear anything. Walking by faith and not by sight. What I'm saying is how many of us go through life living off of our carnal nature and saying, well, I can't see that happening. Jesus says, go, go win 10,000. I can't see that happening, Jesus. How are you going to do that? Don't make any sense. But he's not telling you to do it by sight. He's telling you to do it by faith. If we walk by faith and not by sight, we're going to see the miraculous come to pass in our life. Amen? If we do what Jesus tells us to do. The next verse that I wrote down here that I love is Hebrews chapter 11. My favorite chapter in all the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11. It's a, it's, they call it the Hall of Faith, and there's all kinds of people listed in it. My favorite verse is verse 6, but today I just want to look at verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things I haven't yet seen. So in this place today, whatever Jesus is asking you to do or calling you to do or telling you to come out into the deep, it's not saying, well, I don't have enough faith for that or I've got doubt in the area of this and I don't know if that's going to happen or that's going to happen because if you're trying to live off of yesterday's faith, you can't do what you're supposed to do today. There's some people in this room that has had faith enough, and, and there's people at Bethesda, I know, like Sister Betty, that has so much faith that she trusted God even through cancer and all these different things that's happened in her life and adversity and different things, that she believed God and trusted God. It didn't make any sense, and the doctor's reports was this and this and that, and she didn't trust that. She didn't say, I'm going to go by sight. She said, I'm going to walk by faith. And she overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of her testimony because she'd speak and say, God is going to bring me out of this situation. And there's people in this room today, we need to be encouraged not living off of yesterday's faith because guess what? Betty did that back in the 80s. She can't go off of it and say, well, back in the 80s I had faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith. Not yesterday's faith. Not tomorrow's faith. Now faith. Now faith will get you through the circumstance you're in in your current situation. You see, Jesus wasn't asking them to believe uh, for uh, different things other than what was going on in the situation they found themselves in that day. Peter, you have no fish. You're a fisherman. Go out in the water. Go to the deep part and let down your net. Now faith will do what God asks you to do even when it doesn't make any sense. Do it anyway. 
So as Peter does this, he goes out and he lets down the net. It's amazing to me. Whenever he lets down this net, this is point number two. So do it anyways, point number one. Number two is this. As, as Peter's out there and he lets down the net, and he's probably thinking, you know, doubt's still in there, just like us. Amen. Whenever God calls us to do something, we go out and we have faith and say, well, I'm going to try anyway, even though it doesn't make any sense. God, this is dumb. And you go out there and you find yourself in a situation, maybe it's going up and helping the homeless, and you're thinking, well, this don't even really matter, and I don't even think this is changing lives, but you don't know the little kid that's going home with toilet paper that night that didn't have any for the past week. Amen. We don't know, but God does. So as you step out in faith and begin to walk in it, wherever you get there, and you let down that net, you may be doubting, even at the point of where you're putting the net in the water when it doesn't make any sense, and they're already washed, and they're already clean, and you let it down, and whenever you begin to pull up, can you imagine what it felt like for Peter? Just imagine this with me. Close your eyes. Imagine this old rickety-looking boat Imagine these two disciples on this boat and they're there with their master named Jesus. And there's people all over the shore over there. Imagine sand like a beach. And there's people all over the multitudes that listen to Jesus talk and they're standing there watching this go down. And here they're out in the deep and as they pull this up, imagine the expression on Jesus' face whenever he saw the look on Peter's face. Of a net plumb full of fish. Can you see that? Can you visualize that? It would be one of those things where you, whenever, whenever you're astounded or astonished by something as you're pulling up that net and, and look at me, whenever the weight comes up and whenever you begin to tug on that, on that net and you're pulling it up and you're thinking, man, I don't know if there'll be any fish in here or not. And then whenever you get ready, you really pull it and you pull up and it's weighed down and you're thinking, man, what's that caught on a limb down the bottom? And as he begins to pull it and bring it up, just a fish coming to the top of the water, and it's completely full. How many of you would like those type of results? Astounding results. Dumbfounding results. Where it's my, that, wow, look what God did. Can you imagine Peter saying, well, hey, J hey, James, hey, John, I, I got over here and I, I put my net down, and you guys don't need to put yours down because mine's completely full. So as he, he lets that net down, he pulls it up, and he's, he's got it, and he's pulling on it. There's supernatural results, and it could be that way in your life. If you'll trust God, if you will get off the shore, if you will put Jesus in your boat, if you will go into the deep, and if you will put down your net, you're going to see results. And there's Christians today in the church world that we're living in that we just go nonchalantly through life thinking it's all just going to stay the same forever. I'm expecting miracles. Amen? I'm expecting God to do the supernatural. What do I mean? There's enough fish for everybody. Amen. There's a lot of hungry people on the seashore over there that Jesus taught. And here Peter's pulling up this net full of fish. Supernatural results. It's amazing what faith will do, isn't it? It's amazing what a little bit of listening will do for your kids when they actually pay attention to you and, and get wisdom from your wisdom. When they don't get burned on the stove, when they say, burn, baby, what's that mean? They'll go touch the stove anyway, won't they, most of the time? But what if they'd listen? What if they wouldn't touch the stove? It's the same way God looks at us. 
He's got all the wisdom in the world, and he looks down and he says, Why are you doing that? Why are you fishing at nighttime, Peter? Fishing today. So there's another way of looking at this. It's Peter's down there, and he, he pulls up this net, and I can just imagine this little rickety boat with Jesus in it, and thank God Jesus is in the boat. Thank God you give your resources to Jesus and say, you're allowed to use my boat if you want to. It'd be like you today saying, Jesus, you can, you can use my car. I'll haul you wherever you need to be hauled, Jesus. You ain't even got a boat, and you're wanting to be out here talking to people. Yeah, you can use my boat. Is anybody in this room that will say, yes, you can use me? You can use mine. You can have access to everything I own. I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm a man overboard. I'm a woman overboard. And it's all yours, God. The kingdom is here, and it's now. And I've got to participate, and I've got to give you everything. There's people in this room. You need to give all you have over to God. And Peter did, and Jesus in the boat. Thank God. But as Peter lifts up on that net, and I can imagine the astounding look on his face of, Wow! This is awesome! I ain't never caught this many fish. And I'm a fisherman. Look what this carpenter did. And as he pulls it up, he begins to throw fish in the boat. And he's grabbing them. I can just imagine him, him taking and, and throwing these fish over in the boat. And he's, he's throwing them up on there. And he's like, wow, wow, just so many fish. I don't know what I can do with all these. And he keeps throwing them in the boat. Amen. And it gets to the point where his boat is full. And it says he looks over to his partners, who is James and John, and James and John, hey, come over here. I got more fish than I can handle. What if it was like this? What if it was Albie and Dusty that God told them to do something different than what churches normally do and told them to go after teenagers? What if we would believe and walk by faith and not by sight? And Dusty and Albie would walk out and do a, a, a deal just like this that they'd finally trust God and, and they'd put down their net and they'd pull it up. He's looking and he's saying, man, i got too many fish. What's he saying? I've got too many teenagers. Our youth group is full. Well, the big church, the, they're using upstairs now and every seat is full. And he has to call other churches down the road and say, we don't have room to contain what God has given what if Bethesda is the same way in the adult church? That we would go out and we would truly be the disciples that God has called us to be. And we would try to win our families. We would try to win our neighbors. We would try to win our community to Jesus Christ. And it would fill up the church to overflowing capacity. And we'd have to call other churches and say, can you handle a few more to come down? Does anybody believe the impossible is possible? Amen. I do. And Peter does this, and he looks down, and he's throwing all these in there, and he gets his buddies to come over, and they're throwing all the fish in his boat. But there's another side to this. is our humanity. In that situation, we got a decision to make. What am I going to do with all these fish? It's Thanksgiving, folks. What am I going to do with all these fish? Am I going to be like the Indians and kill a turkey and let the white man have it? Am I going to go out there on my ground that I think is mine and show him how to plow it up and how to plant corn in the ground and let him raise some corn? What am I going to do with what God has shown me? And I'm asking you this today because in your supernatural 
moment, you got a decision to make. Are you going to hoard it for yourself? Or are you going to give part of it away? Amen? And God has called us as Bethesda to be a church where we called and asked for, I didn't expect this much to come in between both campuses. And now both campuses has about this amount of food. We got more than we can handle that we can give away. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. To be a church that does, and everybody doing a little makes a lot. And it's amazing. And we can hold on to that and we can say, well, we'll put it back and we'll, we'll do it again. And we'll do this with it and that with it. I'd rather just give it away, wouldn't you? I'd rather some hungry family somewhere in our community, maybe that don't even know God, that don't even worship Him, that don't know the God that we serve, that we just put a box in our lap and say, here, this is the kind of God I serve. He has given me so much that I've got extra and you can have it. But greed will cause us to say, no, we'll give away five boxes again this year and let's all just take it back home with us and eat extra big cake ourselves. That's what greed will say. Greed is this. I looked up the meaning today. Greed, a selfish or excessive desire for more than is needed or deserved, especially of money, of wealth, food, or other possessions. Greed, covetousness, there's all kinds of things. If you look through the Ten Commandments, they're all listed, and a lot of those Ten Commandments tells us not to covet our neighbor's wife. Amen? It, all of them. There's a few that's it's talking about not wanting somebody else's stuff, like honor your father and mother. There's some of them there that's like that. But a lot of them deal with humanity. When Jesus gives you a net full of fish, filling your boat is not the point. You hear me? When he gives you a net full of fish, filling your boat is not the point. Jesus was trying to feed a multitude along that hillside by a miracle of fish in the boat. Peter and James and John loaded so many fish in their boat, it began to sink, it says in this story. How many of us has took the blessings of God and poured it in our own life and do our own thing with it. And man, God's really blessed me and God's really poured into my life and I'm just going to hoard it all in myself. My pantry's full, my refrigerator's full, I've got a big uh, freezer full of meat and i got this and got that going on. And, and boy, has God blessed me. When truly God's blessed you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Your pantry is not your pantry because you think that God gave it to you, He can take it away from you. Amen. You can be the one that's, that's hungry. You could be the one deprived. And There's a lot of homeless people on the street that would never dream of being homeless. There's people with college educations that's out sleeping under highways and byways today and Christian people walking by and saying, my pantry's full. If you think you can't be there, you better check yourself because God can humble us. And the more we give now, we'll lay up our treasures for our future. The more you give now, the more God will give back in your future. So as we do this and think about this, I'm not, I'm not going to take all those fish and load it in my boat. I'm not going to sink my boat. Why? Because God told me to love others. And I know what the Scripture says. And everybody quotes the 
Scripture all the time, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing shall men give unto your bosom. And I know there's verses out there that talks about God blessing us abundantly and above which we can even ask or think. And I know there's all kinds of scriptures that tells us that we are going to be blessed by God. But the blessing is coming so it can get through you, not to you. Amen? God wants to share through you today. And there's people in this church house today, you need to reconsider your life. Are you just washing your nets and saying, God, I'll do it when I want to do it and how I want to do it. He's saying, well, go out in the deep. Chase me. Follow me. Search for me while I may be found. And in this place today, God is drawing us as the church to come unto Him. What are we going to do? At least Peter shared with his buddies, his partners, but it sank both their ships. It says they sank. So as Peter does this, and I can imagine him throwing all them in there and throwing all of them in James and John's boat and, and both the boats begin to sink and next thing you know, Peter's standing there and Jesus is in the boat with him. And all this while, if this miracle is happening, he's throwing these fish everywhere and he loads them both boats down so much that it sinks the ship. Think about this. How embarrassing would it be for Jesus to bless you so much that you squander it all on yourself that you sink your boat that Jesus is standing in. How many of us find ourselves in that same predicament? Man, God has blessed me. But I've got it all in my boat and this boat is sinking. I feel like my boat's sinking. Is anybody else in this room today? You got more than you need in your cabinets? Is your freezer full? You got a savings account at the bank? You're thinking, man, I, I got more than enough. Guess what? God didn't give it to you to sink. There you go. Amen. He gave it to you to pour out to somebody else on the land. Amen. And I can't imagine standing with Jesus in my boat. Sean, I can't imagine Jesus standing there with me and me having a whole the fish all over around our feet and my boat is sinking with Jesus in it. It has to be humiliating, right? So here's where Peter, the next step is. That Peter does this. He comes to a point of repentance. You got to do it anyway when God tells you to do it, right? We got to expect supernatural results when God pours out blessing in our life. But here you come to the point that you, you, you notice all this is going on and he repents. And Peter says, just get away from me, Jesus. Just get, just, I, I'm sinking my boat. You've blessed me more than I know how to do anything with. And I failed as, a, as being a disciple. Just, just get away from me is what he tells Jesus. Depart from me. How many of us, when we fail God, we feel like pushing God away and saying, God, I'm not the disciple that I need to be. I'm not a super saint like Sister Karen. Amen. We can compare ourselves to each other and say why we can't, why we're not what we're supposed to be, and we try to push God away. But I can tell you this in this place today. When you try to push God away, the closer he'll draw to you. He's like a magnet. And he's magnified for you. And he's drawn. You ever try to pull two magnets apart that's drawn together, that's supposed to be together? You can't even pull them apart. Why? Because there's a magnetic force. A draw is happening. And Jesus is drawing us to him. We can't outrun him. We can't chase. We can't run away. We can't mess up enough. We can't even sink our own ship that he's standing in. That he won't stand here and say, I told you I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age. And Peter said, but, but God, I've messed up. I'm sinking the boat. Can't you see this? 
this. And Jesus says, give me that bucket. I'll bail water out myself. That's what he'll do for you and for me. Whenever we've messed up and we've created our own situations and we've messed up and we say, God, just get away. The God we serve, the Jesus we serve, say, give me the bucket. I'll bail water out of your boat for you. And I can see him even throwing some fish out too. Peter's saying, that don't make any sense, God. Why are you throwing fish back out? You already caught them. Because big fish make little fish. Amen? And if you keep all your fish, there ain't nobody producing other fish. Throw some fish back out of your boat. It'll come back to you. Amen? Tenfold, seventyfold, a hundredfold. It'll come back to you, I promise you. Been wet bailing water much? Here's the deal. Imagine all those people, those multitudes over on that seashore watching all this go down. Isn't it embarrassing when you fail? Anybody ever failed God and had other people watch and you think, man, that's, that's just embarrassing me to death. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, sinking a boat with Jesus in it and everybody watching. Even when you say, leave me. Guess what? He still won't. You can run from God, but he can run faster than you. Amen. You can tell him, I'm going to go my way, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and he's going to come chasing. You cannot outrun God when he's drawn to you. He told Peter, he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Sweating like crazy. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. This Peter standing here in this sinking boat. Everybody say, man, overboard. There are some people in here today that's sinking. You feel like I'm overwhelmed. I, I know what you're going through, and you feel like you're overwhelmed. You're saying, God, I don't think I can draw any more water out of this boat, and I feel like I've let you down, Jesus. Guess what? He said, I'm coming after you, Sean, and you can't outrun him. I promise you. You cannot outrun God. He's drawing that boat. He's got that bucket and he's drawing it out of your boat today. You can't outrun him. I promise you. He says, I'll make you a fisher of men. I don't make any sense. I ain't never went fishing and draw a guy out of the lake of you. Jesus said, walk by faith and not by sight. Telling you to do things don't make any sense. This same Peter that's standing in a boat seeking with Jesus in it, within three years' time will preach a sermon and 3,000 people will get saved in an instant. The first church service ever in Acts chapter 2. This same Peter that was sinking a boat will stand up and give a sermon, the first sermon ever in the history of the world, and 3,000 people get saved in an instant. Tell me God can't do the impossible. Tell me God can't even draw people in the midst of Jerusalem where everybody says it's going to hell in a handbasket. My God can do the impossible. 
You can say that God left Appalachia alone, that we're here struggling, that there's people starving to death, there's sick babies all over, spread throughout the drug addiction, it's a pandemic and it's an epidemic and all these things are going on. You can look at all these reasons and say, I don't know why God's letting us go through this, but I'm telling you today, he's called a church to come out and come deep that'll go fishing for men and say, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, says the Lord of hosts. If we would just get hungry as a church and expect a blessing from God, the super natural I believe God can make us a fisher of men it's Thanksgiving how thankful are you won't you stand Scripture teaches for us not to grow weary in well-doing that we'll reap if we faint not. I just feel like as Bethesda today that there's people in this room that you're tired of doing life alone. You're tired of being hurt and you're tired of hurting. I want you to just close your eyes and bow your head if you will. Is there anybody here who will say, Jesus, I just need you to come and get in my boat. I just need you in my boat. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. Just come get in my boat. Whew. Anybody else? Thank you, Father God. He's coming. He's teaching. All you got to do is listen. He's drawing. All you got to do is step out. Dusty, I want you to come pray with your sister, man. Elizabeth, come up there and help Dusty pray for his sister. Cindy, won't you go over and get Val? Kenzie, I want you to turn around. Rachel, I want you to come in behind. And I want you guys to pray for Valerie. There's other people in this room that needs prayer. with Cubby. Ernie, go over and get Lathan and Kevin and pray with them.
don't want anybody left out here. Leslie, you go back and pray for Jesus, as you draw us out into the deep, I pray that as you step into the boat with these people here today, God, Lord, that you would draw them to you. Lord, that you would be that example that you want us to be, and God, that you would help us to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And God, that you would just allow us to be the people that you've called us to be. God, I pray today that burdens would be lifted in this place. And God, that you would just lift those heavy hearts. And God, that you would just allow the yoke that they've placed upon their own shoulders by the burdens that they're bearing themselves, that you would lift it off and that you would place it, the yoke that you have, that you said is easy, that your burden is light. Let the supernatural happen, God. And God, that you would just help everybody in this place to overcome any obstacle, anything that holds them back. Lord, that as the blessing comes, Lord, that they would be givers. God, I pray for every person in this room that they will become a bigger giver than they've ever been in their life. Lord, in this Thanksgiving season, God, we're thankful for everything you've given us, God. And Lord, we know that it all comes from you. And we just bless you for giving to us and being faithful, God, to meet every need in this room meet every need in this room. In Jesus' name.